Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to another episode of Money Honeys, where we, Freddie, Chantal, and Devin, talk about money and how to make more of it. Plain and simple. That's it. That's it, y'all. Okay, today we're jumping right in. Let's get to the itty bitty nitty gritty. We're talking to a former sugar baby today. Oh, I love it. Not only do I love that he's a sugar baby, but I love that he's retired. Yes, yeah. retired. Like he's 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 moved on. He's put in his he's hours. Put in his, he saves dues. <laughs> moved up the ladder, and he's like, I'm done with. I've stepped away. I've stepped away. I want to retire so bad. Yes. Okay, so cutting to the chase, ladies. Have you or do you know anyone who's ever been a sugar baby or a sugar mama? I've tried. I love that for you. Like before Patrick, I definitely went on to Seeking Arrangement or like FetLife to look, just look at it. And then I got scared. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know anyone who has been, but maybe it's just because they didn't tell me. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think, well, for me, I've I've actually always had a secret um, hope and goal and plan to be a sugar baby. It's always intrigued me. And I've always like, you know, having that extra help, especially Mm -hmm. because just with dating and stuff, like before I had like a consistent boyfriend and like, you know, we were working as a team, like I just felt very, you know, by myself. having to handle all these expenses and I will say like as soon as they (laughs) as soon as they announced the lockdown for the pandemic like us all going into quarantine my mind immediately went okay jobs are done I'm not gonna get any work I immediately made a profile on seeking arrangement Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm going to need some kind of additional support during this time and this is the only real way that I know that I can do it quickly now nothing came of it Nothing came of it. And I want to figure out how. Like, hopefully our guests can tell me my (laughs) shortcomings. My shortcomings (laughs) and my missteps. And we'll file that in way, just in case. Just in case. Just in case. For a rainy day. For a rainy day. Lock and key. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I guess before we keep going, we should define what a sugar baby is. What is you all's definition of a sugar baby? Mm. I think a sugar baby is someone who provides um, intimacy uh, for a fee, and by intimacy, it can be sexual, it can be emotional, it can be like therapy for a fee. Mm-hmm. I would say my definition of it has changed after we talked with Selena. Mm. If you haven't listened, go back and listen because Selena was just so enlightening for me. Yeah, Selena the stripper. Yeah, Selena the stripper, and. So I'm like, okay, it does feel a lot more about connection and like you were saying, Dev, intimate connection, be it sexual or not. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I'm approaching my sugar baby thought. But 
I want to know more about like the money aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like how how does it enter the conversation? Yeah. The economics. The if economics. You will. Of, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes, you all are all correct. Right on the nose. Specifically, it is a person who is financially compensated for giving their time, energy, attention, and even intimacy to someone else. And that comes from the mouth of Eli. <gasps> Eli. Eli. Who's Eli? Tell us more. Hey, Eli. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Today we have Eli in the virtual stew. He is a queer, retired sugar baby, and he's going to give us some baseline insight on the ins and outs of being a sugar baby. An intro class, if you will. Oh, my God. I love a 101. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being here. We are super excited to have you on with us. So, okay, can you tell us, give us a loose rundown of who you are, mostly where you grew up and your relationship with money, because we are a money podcast. Mm -hmm. Hello. Also, we want to give a disclaimer that everything Eli says here is based on his personal experiences and the personal experiences of people close to him who are or have been sugar babies. Splenda friendas, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in a small town in the South where everybody knew everybody and people held really traditional values. And so growing up in a low income household, we weren't always sure where our next meal was coming from or how we were going to make ends meet. And this meant that we would do basically whatever we could to get some extra money whether that was taking odd jobs around town or living with friends and family to save on rent. So as I got older and my family started to do better financially, I noticed that I still had a survival mindset Mm. when it came to money and that caused me to be really careful with it. When I started supporting myself at 15, I always had to be really careful with it and how I managed my money. And I still am, but not in a way where my life is overtaken by worry and financial anxiety. And I think growing up this way definitely made me more open in mind to the possibility of making money through non-traditional methods, hence the sugar baby stuff. I mean, what was that like? Like, how do you think that affected you having to be so responsible with money starting at such a young age? Like, 15 is pretty young, you know, to really be like so responsible. I mean, I was not responsible at all at 15. (laughs) (laughs) I think it definitely put me in a place where I had to think about things that other people wouldn't consider at that age. And still to this day, I think when I'm around my peers, I'm definitely more conscious of spending and stuff like that. Whereas they really are still just getting into those responsibilities. right? And so I think that's the major difference I noticed. Do you have any resentment around that? I don't mean to be like digging in with a personal question. You, you feel free not to answer, <laughs> right. but like I would, um, I would feel resentful. I don't think I have much resentment for it. I know that both of my parents were doing everything they could sure. to give me the happiest life. And because of that, it has caused me to look back on my experience and be grateful for the knowledge that I've gained through having to be financially responsible instead of looking back like, oh, I wish I 
hadn't have had that experience or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I want to just dive in really quickly, too, because your grandparents are immigrants, correct? Right. Yeah. So, like, I would love to hear some of your commentary on just, like, the idea around generational wealth and, and just the fact that, like, it's very hard when you're immigrating to a new country. You're just trying to survive. You're just trying to build. You're trying to, I mean, you're there for a safer environment for your family and a more successful um, future, potentially. So, like... How did that, you know, how did your grandparents being immigrants sort of affect your relationship with money? Like, what's the relationship there? Obviously, when my grandmother on my mom's side moved to the U.S. at 18 years old with three children by herself. Oh, my God. And she basically had to, you know, completely raise them and do whatever she could just to stay alive. And when you're in that position, it causes you to be fighting your entire life. And that means you don't really have anything left to pass on to your kids. So when your kids grow up, which would be my parents, they still have to create for themselves instead of relying on what previous generations have done for them. And so I know I have friends who have generational wealth and their parents survive purely based off of what their parents and their parents' parents did. And so when you don't have that, it's a completely different mindset of looking at the world. And so Mm -hmm. I think that definitely affected how I view things. There's no safety net. Mm-hmm. You are your own right. safety net. There's nothing to fall back on. Right. Right. There's no like, oh, uh, we're inheriting like my grandparents' house or yeah. even like, okay, the five kids are splitting it amongst themselves. It's like you still know that that is a ball of cash that you can kind of cash in at any moment mm-hmm. where it's just right. it's just you. You're starting from, from scratch, basically. Right. Or if something doesn't work out for you, like... I'm very lucky. If things don't work out, I can go live with my parents Mm. still, even now. But, like, I don't have to feel the guilt of, oh, me moving back in with my parents is putting financial difficulty on them. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Which is, I think, the biggest safety net of all, I feel like. Absolutely. If something goes wrong, I got mom and dad. Yeah. Eva, can you describe your experience of being a sugar baby in three words? Just three. Just three. So I would say mutualism, okay. functionalism, and then the last one is more of a phrase. It's high risk, high reward. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Oh, I love. The, hair, the hairs on my little arm just raised. Yes. Oh, really taking us to school here, yeah. e- <laughs> Eli. The isms <laughs> and the high risk, high reward. Yes. Sign me the I fuck up. Right? <laughs> oh my God, y'all. All right, I have so many follow-ups for you, and I want to hear all about the details, but let's get into it, y'all. After the break. break. 
If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are back and we're chatting with retired sugar baby, Eli. I want to unpack some of the words and phrases Mm -hmm. that you use to describe your experience as a sugar baby. Yeah, I mean, I want to just jump into this like mutualism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's Let's talk about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I was thinking about this, um, it reminded me of something I learned about in third grade. And that is symbiotic relationships. (laughs) And... (laughs) That describes the relationship between different organisms. There's mutualism and uh, parasitic relationships Mm -hmm. and commensalism relationships. And so mutualism is the relationship between two people in which both of them benefit. And so it's mutually beneficial for both parties involved. And I think that really describes kind of the sugar baby sugar daddy type of relationship and vibe can i just say i'm sorry to interrupt you can i just say you you don't have mutualism in most mainstream careers i feel like right definitely not i know right Right. I'm already mad that I don't have your job. (laughs) (laughs) We literally just did a whole episode that was like, it's about a push and pull. It's like that versus it being like, it is mutually beneficial to each and every party. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought immediately about like symbiotic relationships and like the fish that like the fish that cleans the bacteria off the shark. But then it's the fish who's eating also who is like, you know, we're like the little fishies. Or it's like I clean you, you clean me, and we're. So I never would have thought of it like that. I love that. I yeah, love that. So I never much. would have thought that either. Yeah. Okay. So mutualism. What was your other word? Uh, functionalism. Okay. Mm. And so that's actually something I studied in one of my sociology classes, and it's a social theory that states that everything in society meets a need and serves a purpose. And so in my mind, two people are having their needs met, but it also serves a purpose because I am now able to pay my bills and this other person through their finances are having their needs needs met too. And so there's a purpose and the needs are being met. And so that was kind of something that I was reminded of when I was thinking about these kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Now, high risk, high reward. Mm-hmm. Ooh, let's dive in. So, 
I think that one's the most self-explanatory <laughs> yeah. of the things that I brought up. But yeah, it's there is risk involved whenever you're dealing with people online and personal information and money because those are really all personal things and you are now sharing those things essentially with a stranger mm -hmm. and so it's definitely a risk but if you can pay your bills at the end of the week i would say that's a pretty high reward hell yeah and so mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. money anxiety is honestly the worst kind. Mm -hmm. so oh, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, it's it's awful. Okay, Eli, I have some burning questions. Mm -hmm. sure. Let's get to the tea. <laughs> How did you go about finding sugar daddies? Like, I had zero luck when I dabbled for like two weeks. Um, <laughs> were you on the apps? Like, did you meet them on other social media platforms? Did you meet them in person? Like, how did you do this? Mutuals. Right. And so I think the key to finding them is you really have to put yourself out there and make it obvious what you're looking for. And there's like very specific lingo and stuff that people use. Uh, so uh, really? I haven't really used. Oh, yeah. I'll get into that in a bit. But <laughs> He's like, just you wait. He's like, wait, it's, girlfriend. I got it. He's like, that's later on the syllabus. Like a whole, a whole <laughs> variety of things that you have to do. But I haven't personally used any of like the seeking arrangements apps or like websites like that. Um, but there are ways to use traditional dating apps and other social media platforms to find it. And so the two that I did were Twitter and Tinder. Wow. So my very first sugar daddy situation happened on Twitter and I was very fed up with life and I was angry tweeting as one does. Yeah. <laughs> that is the point of Twitter. Hey Deb. Continue. Hey Deb. Hey Deb. <laughs> Our next yeah. shot towards Devin. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm tired of everything being so expensive. And someone DM'd me, and that's how it started. And then the second situation happened on Tinder, and that time I was actually seeking it and looking for it. Mm. And so in these relationships, there's specific guidelines for what each person is kind of looking for. And so I think that's really key is to be upfront and open about exactly what you want. Really quickly, we, we've described you as a retired sugar baby. Now you right. do currently have like a relationship of sorts happening right now, but you don't consider it a sugar baby, sugar daddy relationship. You more so consider it like a sponsor, having a sponsor. And what's the difference mm. there? Basically in a sugar baby, sugar daddy relationship, the sugar baby is financially compensated for meeting the need of the sugar daddy and in the sponsorship it's actually a family friend who noticed that i was struggling financially and they took interest in me and decided to pay for my schooling oh wow and so the difference between that is that the only thing I'm responsible for is using that money wisely and bettering myself with it. And I put that towards school and 
I study hard to keep up my grades and stuff, but that's not really an obligation towards them. Mm -hmm. It's more managing the money wisely. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's the key difference between those types of situations. It's like the difference between providing a service and then getting an investor. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're investing in you. So that's different exactly. than mm-hmm. interesting. Now I want a sponsor. I know. Right. Okay. So, so for people looking for this type of relationship, how should he or she position themselves on apps or social media? Like, is there something that you put in the bio? Like, what do you say other than I need help with my bills? Is there a specific emoji? Right. Yeah. The Nemo emoji? <laughs> Always what like I think I of. I mentioned earlier, there is a very specific type of language and interaction that you're looking for. And it's important to make yourself seem appealing, but also to cater to their interests. And so you can set your age preferences to 50 plus and swipe all day, but what are you doing to make them interested in you? Mm. And so um, a lot of times I will see people say things like, I'm an adventurous person who loves to meet people and try new things. And so you're already establishing that you are interested in trying new things that you haven't done. And then this is the word that is always used and it's a generous friend. Ah. Oh. A generous friend who likes to try new things is definitely a great match for me. And the reason I think they use that is because a generous, when you're describing someone as generous, you're complimenting them and making them feel useful and wanted while also stating that you are expecting them to be generous. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that's why that word is used specifically and I see it all the time. And there will be people on those apps in that age group that have in their bio, not generous. (laughs) And I think that's so funny because they're like, I am not looking for that. So I'm not a generous person. That is so, I'm a rich bitch and it's all for me. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Next. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank Wow. A generous friend. Yeah. Versus just being like, I'm looking for someone who has a lot of money. It, it like yeah. it feels more like icky yeah. because it's like you're you're also looking to provide something you know you're not mm-hmm. looking to just receive end of story you're yeah. like no let mm-hmm. like it, it it kind of feels like like a job interview like what they would list you know where it's mm-hmm. like like okay what's something that's going to make the company look good and make the potential employee look good Yep. A generous exactly. friend. A generous I'm friend. adventurous, looking for new experiences. <laughs> I love it. Eli, I have a question. So I heard on a like a podcast, I think a while ago, about sugar babies. And this was from a female's perspective, um, where a lot of the times the most lucrative arrangements that this person had gotten into um, they had pretended that this was their first time, even though it wasn't, because they they found their clients liked this idea of like, ooh, like new, almost like, dare I say, virginal sugar baby. Is that the same way for you on your side of things? I think that perspective might be more from 
a female gaze mm. just because the way men view women mm-hmm. and they want that pure mm-hmm. new vir- like you said like a virgin type mm-hmm. of experience yeah. and i think that's much less expected of men i have a question mm-hmm. kind of about so it's like now i i just kind of am viewing this through the lens of like of more like a job of even like with us it's like okay like what's like what's my day rate what's my weekly rate how do you kind of go about having that conversation about what the compensation is going to be of like what you're going to provide and what they're going to provide it's different for everybody because there's no really one size fits all kind of thing Mm -hmm. um the first time i got into it there was no set amount of money we would meet up for lunch a couple times a month. He would pay for my meal, fill my car with gas, get me groceries, and hand me some cash. And that's how we would spend the day. There was never really an expectation of, oh, I need this much and I'm willing to do this. It was kind of more just a laid back type of thing. The second time around, uh, he made me an offer of a set amount, like right away. And that was given to me each time I chose to meet up with him, but no more than once a week. It was basically just based on how often I was willing to make time to see that. And so, yeah, there's really no one size fits all or everybody does things the same way. Who do you see setting the guidelines for this relationship? Like, you know, you did say that the second person came to you with like, an offer and I see it like you are trying to adjust what you give to their needs right and kind of Mm -hmm. set payment that way but are there ever situations where it's flipped where you're like well I've got 40 other clients or whatever have you ever heard of that or have you experienced that where you're kind of setting the tone um there have been people that I turned down because I didn't feel that what they were offering was worth my time, frankly. Yes, sir. And they had this long list of expectations. And I was a student. I was also working part-time as a tutor. And so I had my time already scheduled, and I just couldn't. It wasn't worth the money. And I think that's also something that's very important to talk about there's no amount of money that is worth giving up what you stand for and compromising what you want and what you need it's just not worth it absolutely amen that's right amen so what are some common misconceptions that you feel are important for folks to realize about sugar baby and and the glucose grandpas of the world glucose grandpas (laughs) (laughs) I think the most important one is the stereotype that all of these relationships are inherently sexual Mm. that just is not the case and the majority of the time friendship or just someone to talk to is actually their goal and I think that's something that I don't hear nearly enough people talking about. Yeah, I think, I mean, and I think too, like I think media 
has so much to do with media and like the news and all these things have so much to do with like how we view these relationships. It's very salacious headlines and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was reading an article online where it's like, you know, there's so much of that. And this woman, she wrote an article for, I think, Cosmo. But she was saying like, she's a sugar baby and she's like, you know, most of us are just like, regular people like she's like we're not mm-hmm. getting dripped in Louis Vuitton and like Chanel and like on and like taking PJs here there and everywhere like that's just not the gen that's like what we see most of the time but she was like that's we are all just like normal people just trying mm-hmm. to like not be stressed out by money right, right. Yeah. The, the idea that all sugar babies live this ridiculous glamorous life where we're just showered in money and gifts and never have to work a day in our life like if (laughs) if you have that mindset going into it you're going to be very disappointed (laughs) well so even from like the the sugar daddy's perspective like if i had a lot of money and i'm busy and i'm like later in life or even like my age now say i'm busy i have a lot of money i'm a very generous person like when it comes to just friendships and in, in general, mm-hmm. like I, you know, I makes me feel good to love up on my friends. And if I right. have the time and the money to do that, but I can't really, I don't have the time in my life to build a romantic relationship with somebody. I understand that, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and like honestly, even what you were describing of the the person that you would just like get lunch with, fill up your car, go grocery shopping I was like that honestly feels like kind of like parental where it's like even a person maybe later in life or at whatever age who didn't have any kids and it's like okay but I have this kind of I have this part of me that I want to give to someone else. Mm-hmm. Let's let's very much let's so. go ha- let's go have our day. Yeah, I'm like when you describe, I was like, that sounds lovely. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it honestly is when when you get that type of thing, and it's exactly what you described as someone who maybe doesn't have the time to really nurture other types of relationships, but they do have resources and they are very willing to be more generous in order to have someone that just keeps them company. Mm -hmm. And so that's, yeah, that's also another, another one that it's definitely an individual type of thing. Right. And you can see your money truly affecting someone in real time. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. I think is, it feels good. It It feels feels good. good. And it makes, it takes out, the fear of being taken advantage of. Right. 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 You're not just sending someone a huge chunk of cash. You're actually watching how it benefits their life. And that's definitely another part of it is that they want to be involved with their money. Right. Because it's also kind of like an investment. And it's like you're investing in someone by helping them. And that in return gives friendship and companionship to you. Mm-hmm. I have a question about like longevity mm-hmm. of like the average length of these types of relationships. Right. Ball- I'm sure it's different for each each person, but just like ballpark, like is there any type of time frame? That's difficult because I always continue them based on what's best for me. Mm. And that might be a selfish thing, but I had 
my first relationship, it was four months and that was during like the winter spring semester. And when I got on summer break and was visiting family and traveling and stuff, it just, I wasn't able to keep it up. Right. And so it ended on a good note. I just said, hey, I'm not able to meet all of these expectations anymore. And that was fine. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's different for everyone. And then what about your second relationship? My second relationship was, I think it was much less personal than the other one because he was the one that like offered an amount and like gave very specific details of like whatever. And that one was more kind of just on and off throughout mm. the past year and a half. It wasn't like a specific, I don't know. It was different than like dating someone for a year and a half. It yeah. was, I want to dabble and talk about sugar mamas for a second. Because we've been talking <laughs> sure. about the daddies. Let's talk about the mamas. Like, are there any misconceptions around sugar mamas? Like, do you have experience with sugar mamas? Like, what's the vibe there? Another common misconception is that sugar daddies are just so much more out there. And that's not true at all. I've actually been approached by the same amount of sugar mommies as I have sugar daddies. Yes. Mm, and, feminism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was surprising to me, but it's definitely interesting to think about. And with those, it was just a conflict of interest thing that was the reason it didn't work out. I just didn't have the time at the mo at that time to be a good sugar baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to destigmatize these type of relationships, but at the same time, taking pre precaution is still very much key. Like, what are some safety tips and or red flags to look out for when embarking on this type of arrangement or relationship? Because I know I've definitely had, you know, people or like men sliding in my DMs and it's like, I'll give you 1500 once a month for XYZ and it just feels scammy and like weird. Um, so I want to know like how do you separate the reels from the fakes and just also general safety precautions? As far as red flags go, their social media presence and activity. If you go to their page and their account was created two months ago and they don't have any posts and their pro profile picture is blurry. <laughs> is this is not this is not a person like and so their social media presence and like the activity is definitely a big one obviously like a picture being able to like verify i know on tinder there's verified accounts where you have to go through a process in order to prove that you are who's running the account and so that's a big thing other red flags, asking for any kind of money when they're like, oh, send me $300 so that I know I can trust you. No. And then I will send you this. Why would I send you money? Absolutely <laughs> not. That, that's, that's the wrong, the wrong transaction. Yeah. <laughs> also, this one is like really specific but spelling and sentence structure. Mm. A lot of these people, when you talk to them, it's almost impossible to like understand what they're trying to say. And it's like, if you're a person that I'm genuinely interested, I wanna be able to understand what you're saying. And then a lot of like the more scammy accounts, they'll like 
ask you repeated questions that you've already given answers for and mm. i think that's a definite mm. huge red flag wow um, so yeah so just just be aware and this goes with like social media safety in general and then for safety tips again social media presence just verify that they are who they say they are um keep your personal information your address your phone number your school your work they don't have any reason to know any of those things and so keep keep that to yourself um if you do decide to meet them you choose the location and choose a safe public place that's what i did and i actually took a friend with me and had them sit at another table in the restaurant yes you while did i was meeting this person just you never know what's going to happen and yeah. it's not to assume the worst about someone it's just to make sure that you are safe no matter what happens and then like i mentioned earlier there is no amount of money that is worth compromising for know what you want and stick to that yeah i think also too something that jumped out to me about sort of how your relationships came to be was that a lot of times it's not like an offer right up front, right? It's more conversational and then it gets to that point a little bit later down the line. Can you kind of expand on that? Both times it was never just like, oh, here's an offer, take it or leave it. They both started with conversation and, you know, just being friendly and being nice. That continued all throughout just because, like I said earlier, a lot of them are actually seeking a genuine connection or friendship. And of course, you're going to want to trust someone who's been friendly to you and struck up conversation rather than someone who's like, $400, take it or leave it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, that's been true of all of them. So I am learning so much. Mm-hmm. I want to learn more and I want to dive into the long-term effects of being a sugar baby but let's do that after the break And we're back, and we're about to chat with our guest, Eli, about the long-term effects of being a sugar baby. So if you're no longer a sugar baby, do you feel like you're lacking? And how does one bounce back into self-sufficiency after having this kind of help? I'm curious, Eli, tell me. So there are definitely times where I could use the extra cash, especially with the way prices are right now and the way there's an ever increasing list of bills just to stay alive Uh and so like I definitely think about that but at the same time I never fully relied on that money to support myself and I think that's different from what a lot of people's experience have been it was very easy to for me to move away from it because I had never fully relied on it at the first place, in the first place. And so I think it's very important to have a plan from the very beginning in case it doesn't work out because putting all of your financial security in somebody who is essentially a stranger is not wise, no matter how much they're offering you or what you've had in the past you just need to look out for yourself first that's so smart mm-hmm. that is so wise mm-hmm. it's yeah. super wise and i think 
I want to talk a little bit about survival versus comfortability too. I think mm. uh, I think there are quite a few scenarios, and correct me if I'm wrong, of sugar babies who really do like need this money to survive, kind of how you just described. Um, but I don't think that you should feel pigeonholed into only turning to this, you know, type of relationship if you are on your last penny and you are like, you know, really in trouble. Like I think we should all be able to live a relatively, you know. And I don't even want to say comfortable, but just not stressed. Like, we don't mm, need to be on right. our last penny before we are asking for help. Mm-hmm. And I do kind of just want to highlight that for you, it is more of like an added bonus, but it takes a lot of that load off knowing that you have that support. For me, I have always been able to take care of like the things that I really need just by working and like by myself. But then, you know, sometimes you want to be a material girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to have nice things for yourself that are outside of just your needs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a perfectly valid thing for everyone to feel. Sometimes you want to live a little. This is just one life. And so as you're as you're going through these types of things, while I do think it is a great way to get those material girl items and to just have a little extra fun. I think at the same time, it's definitely important to make sure that your needs are taken care of and that it's not just a last resort thing. And and like, I would say that people who use it to really su- support themselves, I feel like that's still valid because you know, they're making it work. But I think if you're getting into it, you definitely need to know the dangers and the risks associated with putting all of your financial stability on someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you ever experience, because one of my fears about sugar babies in this relationship is the goalpost moving, right? Like uh, the original offer was like $400 for XYZ. And then all of a sudden, the goalpost moves. Now it's $400 for X, Y, Z, and A. You know what I mean? Is that something that you find is really common? Um, do you have written contracts <laughs> to kind of like, not that they would be, I don't know if they would be suitable in a court of law. I don't think any of them are legally binding. Yeah. But <laughs> I have written out my expectations and like heavy limits in advance. And I have made them aware that any deviation from that is immediate shutdown. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a personal thing. And I think it's kind of natural for people to want more as they get to know you and stuff. But unless that's a mutual thing, that's not okay. And so I just think it's very important to put those boundaries out ahead of time so that there's never any question. Mm-hmm. It's almost like mm-hmm. a safe word. Yeah. Right, where if he's like, I want to get dinner this week too, and you're like, actually, I, I'm not, I don't I don't have the time for that. Okay, well then we're not going to do lunch. Okay, then we're not going to do lunch. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You yeah. know. <laughs> have a great day. Right, right, yeah. which kind of goes back to how you operated with it not being your your sole source of income because then then it did allow you that that space to be like okay should something take a turn that i don't want to then i can say thank you so much farewell yeah and i think there's definitely a danger in putting all of your financial stability in that 
because then when they do push something and you're relying on them yeah. for money, it's much harder to say no when you're completely relying on someone for support and there's a danger of that being taken away. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that goes just back to personal guidelines and personal decisions with safety and money. Would you be a sugar baby again? <laughs> Well, I currently work as a personal assistant and private chef. Ooh, so okay. I My God, Eli. Yeah, so I haven't needed much extra help lately, but I also do have someone paying for my schooling, and that has taken a significant amount of financial stress off of me mm-hmm. and allowed me to be more free with what I do. And so if that were ever to stop, I would definitely consider it again. But I think as of right now, I think I'm happy where I'm at. And I know that just from personal experience, it is something that takes time and effort. And so when you're getting into those things, you have to realize that just like a job, you have responsibilities, you have things that you need to be done in order for your paycheck to come. And if you're a student or working, and you can't meet all of those things, then that's just an extra stressor. And I do not need that right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he does not need that right now. He does not. He knows how to cook. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> he knows how to schedule. Yes. Come on. I'm sure you can are capable of being many things, but it sounds like you are an A-plus house husband, if, if needed be. <laughs> that's the goal. Uh, I love that. Know yourself. Yes. Yes. I love that. Well, Eli, thank you so much. This has been such a lovely and enlightening conversation on how really to be a sugar baby if that is your ministry mm-hmm. you know more support more power get it done yeah and there's an art to it and you really yes. gave us a really good insight on like how to how to make it happen if that's something that you want to do mm-hmm. so looking for a generous friend yeah a generous <laughs> friend well i've loved this this class that we've taken with yeah. you professor eli thank yeah. you professor eli yes <laughs> eli thank you so much you are a gem and thanks for hanging out with us on the Money Honey Spot. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it so much. Bye. 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 Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.